jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Please have a seat, everybody. Thank you very much. Very kind. Welcome one, welcome all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Now... Lovely to be in here with all of these beautiful people here this evening. You out there, I've never met most of you out uh, watching the show out in TV land, but I'm guessing, like me, you're still trying to process yesterday's mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. If you're heartbroken and if you're frustrated, you're not alone. Americans have witnessed gun tragedy after gun tragedy. And while it can be argued that there are many reasons, we all know the biggest reason for the tragedy is the gun. And right now, the United States has approximately 400 million firearms, which is more than 40% of the total guns in the entire world. That stat's even more harrowing, considering that we have 100% of the world's Floridas. (laughs) Now, there's a simple, there's a simple, if extremely difficult solution. Reduce the number of guns. We've done it before, and it worked. And Joe Biden knows that. When we pass the assault weapons ban, Mass shootings went down. When the law expired, mass shootings tripled. That's not complicated. If there's less of something that is built to kill people, fewer people will be killed with that thing. That's why these days, you see so few mass catapult attacks. (laughs) Now, there are things Congress could do right now. Congress just refuses to do them. For instance, the Senate could pass H.R. 8 a bill that was passed by the House over a year ago, which would close loopholes in the background checks law. It's being held up by Senate Republicans, possibly, because background checks are supported by only 90% of voters. 90%. The only thing more popular than background checks is Dolly Parton riding a giant corgi bringing you free ice cream. And birthday sex with free ice cream. One man's frustration erupted on camera earlier today. Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his lieutenant governor held a press conference to discuss the shooting. About 15 minutes in, they were interrupted by Abbott's gubernatorial rival, Beto O'Rourke. At this time, I will uh, pass the mic to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. S- sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Hey. S- sit down. Don't play this. Next shooting is right now, and you are doing nothing. That's not true, Beto. They're not doing nothing. They're yelling at you for pointing out that they're doing nothing. <laughs> now, some people, you maybe. You might call this a stunt, but all he's doing is calling bull on their lie. The lie that they will do anything that might upset the gun lobby that lines their pockets. Another liar on that stage getting yelled at by Beto was Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. He went on the Fox News last night and pinched out this gem. We can't stop bad people from doing bad things. They're going to violate murder laws. They're not going to follow gun laws. I've never understood that argument. I got to say... Laws are pointless is a bold position for the attorney general. (laughs) I think he just announced the purge. 
But perhaps. But perhaps the nothingness nothing that was ever nothinged came from Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, seen here with her loved one and her husband. <laughs> Shortly after the shooting, Greene tweeted, Our nation needs to take a serious look at the state of mental health today. I agree. Starting with Georgia's 14th district. <laughs> now, it's not fair to say Republicans have absolutely no solutions. They actually have some pretty bad solutions, like this one. One of the things you've talked about is arming teachers. Is that a possibility in Texas? I absolutely think it's a possibility. I think that's something that should be done. Come on. A teacher's job is not to use a gun. A teacher's job is to teach and to rap about Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm Mr. Smith, and I'm here to say Caesar got stabbed at two brute. It's not just the teachers who these cowardly dipsticks think should be armed. These are individuals who are unpaid volunteers who would be happy to volunteer their time to go safeguard schools. To me, it's a simple solution. We have retired military, retired law enforcement, that I am sure we can come up with a way to, in, to ensure that every child in every school is protected with on-site armed uh, trained officers. There is no reason why we can't put retired police officers, ex-military, and put them at least in every school. Yes. That is their brilliant answer to our epidemic of gun violence. Arm the seniors. They shouldn't be hard to find. They're all members of the AAR-15. <laughs> but... But more guns aren't the only terrible solutions Republicans are offering up. Here's former NYPD Detective Pat Brosnan on Hannity last night. We need to install man traps, man traps, a series of interlocking doors at the school entrance that are triggered by a tripwire. The tripwire can be a gunshot, broken glass, a manual switch tossed by a school employee, and it traps the shooter like a rat. It's tripwires, it's man traps. Yes. It's trip wires, it's man traps. It's stairs covered in tiny toy cars. It's crushed up Christmas ornaments on the floor. It's hot irons on pulleys that swing and hit the bad guys in the face. It's cardboard cutouts dancing in front of the windows. I saw it all in that documentary with Joe Pesci. Of course, if our elected leaders won't do anything about gun violence, we're obviously going to need to elect new leaders. And that process is already underway with the midterm primaries. Last night, there were some big results, including Georgia Democrats making their pick for governor, Stacey Abrams. Abrams... Abrams... Of course, is famous for her years of grassroots organizing in Georgia, around the country, and most recently, in the United Federation of Planets. She's fighting for voting rights for everyone, no matter how many forehead bulges your skull has. <laughs> Last night wasn't just... Sure, we got some Ferengi fans around here. <laughs> Last night wasn't just about winners. 
It was really about rubbing it in the face of one giant loser, former president, the wrath of Khan. <laughs> because in the GOP primary, he went all in on former Senator David Perdue. Despite a full-jowled endorsement from the ex-prez, Purdue got his ass handed to him by incumbent governor and beef jerky on Zoloft, Brian Kemp. <laughs> and it wasn't even close. Kemp peach-stomped Purdue by over 50 points. This... Sure. This was a total embarrassment for the ex-prez, even more so because the candidate who destroyed his guy was Mike Pence's pick. Oh, oh, you know Pence celebrated with his trademark victory dance. Avert your eyes, mother. I am clenching to the rhythm. But that wasn't the end of his losing because the ex-prez picked losers up and down the ballot. For example, the former prez picked a candidate to take down his old nemesis, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, seen here being less interesting than an out-of-focus bell. <laughs> Raffensperger famously pushed back when the dingus-in-chief called him during the 2020 election, demanding he find enough votes to overturn his loss in Georgia. Well, last night, Raffensperger absolutely creamed the ex-president's guy, beating him by 20 points. Good news, Mr. President. Good news, he finally found those votes. <laughs> now, the ex-pres didn't lay a total goose egg last night. He got one win in the Georgia Senate primary thanks to candidate Herschel Walker. Walker has to try to fine line between holding on to the ex-president's endorsement and not getting any of the stop the steal crazy on him, as you can see in this interview. One of the things that certainly motivated President Trump in giving endorsements to various candidates has been whether or not they accept uh, his claim that the election was stolen. Do you think the election was stolen? Well, I don't think, I think you, I think reporters say that. I don't know whether President Trump has said it, because he never he, said that to me. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. He says it over and no, over he again, may, No, 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 no. He has never, I've never heard President Trump ever say that. Now, technically, <laughs> come on, technically, he's right. I've never heard him say it. I've only heard him scream it, <laughs> tweet it, and one time fart it in Morse code. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Michael Che. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
My first guest this evening is a stand-up comedian you know as the co-host of Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. He created and stars in the sketch comedy series That Damn Michael Che, which returns tomorrow for its second season. Please welcome to The Late Show, That Damn Michael Che! Hey. Do you tell them to get that excited? Yeah. <laughs> nice to have you on. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. First for time me. I've ever had a chance to sit down with you, but not your first time in this theater. I understand you made your television debut on this stage. Is that true? That's right. I did. I did uh, stand up on Letterman in 2012. Yeah. Wow. That's a big ten years. Now, so tell me about that, because I remember the first time I got a call to, to be on Dave. Uh, I, I remember it was during Hurricane Sandy. And oh, so, I, okay, yeah. I had no power. I, lived, I was living in Jersey City. I had no power, no electricity, no anything. And um, I didn't know I was supposed to do it. But they called my best friend, who lived like 30 minutes away, because he had a phone. And he drove to my house, knocked on my window, and was like, they want you to do Letterman tomorrow. And I was like, this isn't funny. <laughs> And, uh, but they knew to call your best friend. They knew to call him because my manager was like, they were just trying to find somebody in Jersey City that wow. that could find me. Okay. And uh, I went and um, stayed in a hotel, and I didn't have any clothes or anything. I mean, it's not e it was not easy to get around. People forget, like, it was not easy no. to get in and out of the city or We anything. had to drive. We had to, like, pick up a hitchhiker because it was like... Oh, because it was only high occupancy going exactly. to the city. Exactly. Right. me and my boy. <laughs> So we're like driving around, like anybody want to drive into the city with us? And, and some guy was hey, ladies. Like, yeah. Some guy was with like a kid. He's like, I'll get in. And I was like, you should not do that. He's like, <laughs> got in with like a six-year-old, and we just drove to the city. We went to Saks. I bought a, I was like, uh, I got a blazer. Mm -hmm. Well, well I, I got the photo. Yeah. I got the photo. So this, this, you didn't, you did, you did not bring this from home? You had to buy this? No, that was about 40 pounds ago. Which way? Oh, uh, that way. No, I, I remember I went to I went to Saks. I went to Saks and, and I was like, I'm I'm going on Letterman and mm -hmm. I'd like to look great. And she gave me this three thousand dollar Gucci jacket. And so we walked across the street to H and M. And I got that blazer. In yeah. fact, that pocket square is probably the receipt. It's like <laughs> <laughs> 150 bucks. Thanks, H&M. There you go. I do want to... You look really good. I want to point out that your first instinct was, I'm going on Dave. I want to look really good. Eh. Thanks for dressing up. <laughs> I'm not sure what... Uh, you just feel so relaxed now. Is that why you're yeah, wearing the hoodie? I don't know why I'm wearing maternity clothes, but... <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> I don't know. This is great. This is awesome, man. This is like where the Beatles play. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is insane. Yeah. Now, uh, like like me, if you're from a from a pretty big family, how many how many kids? I'm the youngest of seven. All right, being the yeah. youngest is great of a big family. Yeah, isn't my it? my parents did not have cable. <laughs> um, are you now of being one of a lot one of a lot of kids? What are you the funniest one in your family? No, no. According to you or them? Both. No. <laughs> I feel like the funniest, the funniest ones are never the ones that end up being comedians. It's always like the third or fourth ones that are really trying to overachieve. 
The funny ones, they just, they were very confident to be I think the funniest people in my family was my grandfather and my grandmother, who, uh, they, they were the funniest. My grandfather was a pastor, mm -hmm. and uh, so he knew how to hold court. He was funny on purpose. My grandmother uh, wasn't funny on purpose. She just couldn't help it. <laughs> just couldn't help mm -hmm. it. She no would, filter? No filter. And she would exaggerate. She would, oh, she would exaggerate. Anything, anybody, he was nine feet tall. You know, <laughs> he wasn't nine feet tall. He was 2,000 pounds. <laughs> and she would say it like, why could you call me a liar? <laughs> <laughs> she was the best. We have to take a little bit of a break, but when we come back, I'll ask Michael uh, how he feels about talking about the news every week. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. Hey, everyone. It's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. I found out something today that I did not, I, I don't know how this escaped me, but uh, you, along with Colin, you two are the longest weekend update anchors of all time in history. What is it, seven years? Eight, what is it? Something like that, yeah. Something like that? Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why. Do you, I mean it must? I mean, do you? It, it's a good gig. Do you enjoy the news? Like, are you a junkie? No. <laughs> what you just did was terrifying. I, I, I was. Well, oh. not every night is about subjects like this. You know what I mean? Oh. This is a little tougher. They're getting a little bit closer and closer. That's true. So, but you, you're not. You're not. You don't follow the news. I don't. I don't like the news. I, I do it for work. <laughs> so you're willing to be the host of Weekend Update. You're just not into it. I like the joke parts. I like the joke math. I like, you know, that's why I always laugh because like kids will come up to me and they're like, man, I get all my news from you. And I'm like, well, you don't know news. Because <laughs> that is I feel not sorry what I'm doing, man. <laughs> yeah. wow. 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 Do you like it? Do you like what? doing the news? I've always liked the news. I don't want it to be this dark. You know, I, I'm doing it for the jokes too. I'm here for the math. I like the construction of the joke, and when it works, it feels good, and they make that noise with their mouth, and you know that you did your job well. That's what I like about comedy. You know when it works. Yeah, but, but you also, you find out it didn't work at the same time they do. <laughs> True. It is a series, it's a series of bets you lay down in the rewrite room. Yeah, it's so funny. People are like, why'd you say that? Like, I don't know. I... It was funny in the room. Exactly. Yeah, I'm no. like, I'll bet how I feel tomorrow 
on this joke. Because you, you, if it doesn't yeah. work, you keep that with you until the, your next chance to go out there and do it again. And I do it with somebody else, so it's so crazy because if you bomb and then the camera cuts away from you <laughs> and then he kills and then it cuts back to you and everybody's like, oh. <laughs> now I gotta, now I gotta, I'm in a hole. It's, it's rough, man. It's a, it's a rough gig and it is not smart. Wait. Well, so now you've got your own second season of your own sketch comedy show, That Damn Michael Che. Yeah. I do want to point out <laughs> that you work on a sketch comedy show, maybe the sketch comedy show, and this is your side project. So this, it's a kind of a busman's holiday. Why, why do more sketch? Because you, you can do sketch. Yeah, but this one's for black people. <laughs> so... <laughs> a little different. <laughs> All right. All right. So, offic so officially, SNL is for white people, is what you're saying. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's fun. It, it, it's, it's, SNL's a variety show, and there's, there's so many different voices. But, uh, no, this, this show, you can kind of lock in and, and be a little bit more nuanced, and that's always fun to get to do. And we, we can curse. Oh, wow. On HBO, we can, we can say all of the foul language. Good for you. Good for you, if you like that kind of stuff. If you like that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> is, we have a clip here. Uh, can you tell us what's happening in this clip? Oh, yes, this clip is... I, I hope you guys like it. It's, uh... I... <laughs> <laughs> Now you can say that before everything you ever do. I've got another joke. I hope you like it. <laughs> no, this clip, I really hope you like it. It's, uh, I'm getting an intervention. I'm, I'm asking my girlfriends, my ex-girlfriends, to give me an intervention to find out what's wrong with me. <laughs> and, uh, and here we go. <laughs> you could have told me you had a girlfriend. That's All right. right. All right. Now, what do you think you could have done differently? What'd you just say to me? Well, be honest. You know, when we broke up, he tried to date my sister. No. Wow. Well, I didn't know. Yes, you did. Don't lie. You didn't let me finish. I didn't know that that mattered. Huh. Oh, you're disgusting. He dumped me on Juneteenth. Really? I didn't even know that was a holiday until last year. Shame on you. I got one. You always on everything I like. Yes. yes. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I hated telling you about anything I like because you make me feel dumb for liking it. But yes. don't you think if something you like is objectively bad, I should make you feel a little dumb so you don't like it anymore? <laughs> but it's not objectively bad if I think it's good. Right. Oh, what the f you know? You like K-pop. And? So you're doing it again. She calls Harry Styles R&B. That's wrong. Thanks for being here, man. That was a lot of fun. Season two of That Damn Michael Che premieres tomorrow on HBO Max. Michael Che, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. 
Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy.